one of these times that I was in my disease, shop addiction, I shopped in a blackout. I don't remember everything I shopped. I wasn't there for more than maybe an hour and the bill was like 10 to 15,000. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can pick up the book exclusively at Amazon or signed copy at secretlifenovel.com. And the best way to support our podcast is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts yet, please do. It'll help more people find our show. And if you want to be a guest, shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves and others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with or those light, funny secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Teresa. Now, Teresa, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is that I had a shopping addiction and I used to use men as my credit cards and bank accounts. Okay. Can when? Okay. I have so many questions right now and I don't even know where to begin But when did this behavior start? Unfortunately, when it started for me, where I could trace it back, um, my, well, I don't call him my stepfather anymore. My mother's boyfriend, Mm -hmm. he sexually abused me from the time I was five to we've been able to trace it to about 11. He would manipulate me with toys. And he even opened up this like candy just distribution business. And so the kids on my block thought I was the, like, literally, I was told all the time, like, I wish I had your daddy. You're so lucky. Like, this was in 1974 when he came into my life. And so I had a badass red go-kart with just what what a kid, especially in the 70s. Like, I had, like, the first BMX Schwinn bike, the first Sims skateboard. You probably are too young to know any of this stuff, but I don't, was, but I get the gist. Like you were just spoiled. Ass. Yeah. Right. So to the outside world, I had like the best daddy. But what was happening, you know, behind closed doors was just a monster. And I also had a lot of guilt as a child because I knew the reason I wasn't sharing this with my mom was because I also enjoyed the rewards. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and at such a young age, like looking back now, especially after I had children, like, wow, very early on, I learned how to like barter, you know, because the fact that I knew to be sneaky, you know, that no one taught me that. Well, he taught me that. So that is really where I think that it all started. Um, another place I think that that sh- shopping was my aunt. Her love language is our um, gifts. Now that I know what love languages are. Uh-huh. So one of my love languages, surprise, surprise, are gifts. And so my aunt, she felt um, a lot of pity for me because my father stayed in the country that we came from. And so this was in the seventies when there wasn't like that many single moms. And if you were a single mom, there was a lot of shame about it. And they come from a, you know, Latin America country. So my aunt being that she was the only one that, you know, she came, she was in her early 30s, late twenties, early thirties. So she landed a really good uh, job here in the U S and she didn't have any kids. So she took on this role of being my Santa Claus and buying me gifts like crazy. So it was how I saw love. Right. Oh, that makes so much sense. That like the two people that showed you the most affection and attention did it with gifts. Mm -hmm. And so as I got older, I started, I think my bartering my time with men, I think probably around 18 years old, Mm-hmm. Around 18 years old, I made that decision of, you know, they're all, you know, they abuse you, men abuse you. So why not use them? Yeah. And get what you can get when you can yeah. get it. Yes. Yeah. If, if, if I know, like, that is the exchange. For me, it wasn't about a commitment. There, it wasn't about integrity. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about, you know, being of service to the other, you know, to your partner. Being intimate and loving. No. What is that? Honestly, I used to call vulnerability the V word because I could not even say it. <laughs> I kid you not. I can't make this up. I used to like, I used to hate that word, vulnerability. Um, I used to so- hate humble the word humble oh yeah I used to hate that too because it reminded me of like my mom and then I realized like oh she wasn't humble she just had very low self-esteem and lack of self-worth that's not humility so but I used to I'm, I'm with you I used to hate that word humble Blech. no but I get it because I would date guys where if I was with them for a long time and I truly didn't want to be with them and I chicken out of like dumping them, I would then just like barter with them in our relationship. Like, Oh, I want that thing. And then I'll give you a kiss and a hug, which kind of sounds like a little bit of a prostitute, which no judge on any prostitutes, but that's what I was doing because that's what I equaled with, you know, affection. So on the prostitution side of things, um, so a, a really good friend of mine used to be like this really high paid dominatrix, like had a dungeon and everything girl in Santa really? Monica. Oh man, I need her on. <laughs> and she made so much money. And I often tell her like, you're such a businesswoman because you actually invested your money my ass used to go and like pay for his children's tuition <laughs> and maybe like a dress from, I don't know, back then I was 
shopping at this store in the Beverly Center called Traffic. Like that was like, woohoo. <laughs> but she did it right. Like she invest, I mean, she invested her money and she's done very well. Um, and she has a great story. And then I have another friend that was in porn and she made a lot of money as well. And I wouldn't say that she invested it well, but she did leverage her money. So here I used to say, well, I'm not a prostitute, but I realized that, you know, I don't, again, no judgment on that at all. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting how I used to separate myself from like, well, if I'm paying for tuition, (laughs) you know, and I am quote unquote dating him, then that doesn't make me a prostitute. And, you know, I, the way I look at it now is I bartered my soul. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, how much are we worth? We're priceless. And so the fact that I used to put a tag on, you know, a tag on spending time with me, the narrative that I created for myself was, if you give them your heart, they abuse you. Right. And remember, because that's where my narrative starts, right? With around abuse and money and gifts. So if I give them my heart, they're going to abuse me. So I'm going to use them and I could give them my body. We could have a great time, right? Because again, I was in a relationship with them. When did it like smash in your face and, and think like, whoa? Oh, when I hit my bottom in 2006 and I um, decided to get sober from alcohol. And once I decided to get sober... Those men were like, well, that's no fun. (laughs) Literally, I always say say the story like when I decided to get sober, it's like God went like this and seen and like the curtains closed and I was left on the stage, you know, that I had created like this you know, smoke and mirrors and people thought I was like, oh my gosh, literally my friends would be like, you have such a fabulous life because I was being flown here and taken to shopping sprees. I would make sure that the kids were included in those shopping sprees. How um, much, how much was your biggest shopping spree that you were taken on? Yeah, oh, um, the first time I went on a, on a trip with my ex-husband that we weren't married yet. We had to take two cabs back to our hotel because we were you in New York or something, and you had we were to, in New York. You had to, with all your purchases. Yeah, and I went into La Perla. Like I, I remember the first time I bought like a hundred dollar panties and a hundred dollar bra. I have never done that. Just so you know, I have got them from Set because they can give you the underwear sometimes, but I have never bought that expensive underwear. Oh, yeah. I decided that I was going to recreate Pretty Woman. That's one of my favorite. Like, she's not a prostitute. She's Julia Roberts. Like, he's... He's not not a businessman. He's Richard Gere. Come on. So, um, so yeah, I was like, I'm going to recreate because I always, always wanted to recreate that movie. And I always wanted to like go and stay at um, the Beverly Regent because I really wanted a man to save me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that I had low self-esteem. I didn't know that I had these gifts and talents that I was able to earn six figures. Like, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought that my worth 
was based on how much the man that I was quote unquote dating had in his bank account. Oh, wow. Because I never thought, I never thought that I could buy myself a home, that I could put my kids through college on my own. Like just that, just never, you know, I'm this like first generation immigrant, you know, brown girl. My mom was on welfare. Like no one in my family ever achieved any success here in this country. So I just, I thought I was doing the most. I thought I was being successful by attracting these men that had money. So you got sober and oh, the scene was over. Can we just, just, there is one, there is one incident. It was like, oof, oof. So my ex-husband uh, was an alcoholic and I didn't know what that really was. Um, but he was sober and then he relapsed. He was sober for many years and then he relapsed when we were married. And so we had a very vicious cycle. So I would, I would basically, I would be a fixer for him. I would make sure that on set things kept rolling, mm-hmm. that nobody knew what was happening. Even his manager said one day, he goes, Teresa, you are a fixer. And I didn't know what a fixer was. And I said, I was what? 29 around this time. And I said, what's a fixer? And he's like, you get shit done. You make sure that all the players are in place and everyone, like you are writing the script and everyone is doing what they need to do to cover up the mess. You clean up the mess. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm a fixer. (laughs) And so I, (laughs) like, yeah. Yeah, you're like, we're in the tag. I'm a fixer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I made it. <laughs> I made, I've arrived. I'm a fixer. And then later on in life, they said, yeah, and that's called codependency. And you need to go to Al-Anon. Um, I'm like, what? I'm a fixer, girl. So, so we got into this vicious cycle. We started seeing this therapist. His business manager said, you and Teresa need to go to therapy because this is what ended up happening. So I would save him. And then the way I used to get the, you know, the vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. I would justify it. I would justify my shopping. Then I would go and shop at him. Oh. So one of these times that I was in my disease, shop addiction, I went to the store H. Lorenzo on Sunset Plaza. I shopped in a blackout. I don't remember everything I shopped. I wasn't there for more than maybe an hour. And I think the bill was like ten to 15000 It might not seem a lot to a lot of people, but It still. seems a lot to me. I am cheap. So that is a lot. <laughs> but still, for someone that this is not my money, so I didn't tell him. I wouldn't tell him. So I get the call. I get the call from, and I won't say her name, but she's a business manager. And she just got the um, American Express bill. And- She wants to make sure that this is something that you've bought because if it's not, then we need to cancel the credit card. And so he's like, did you shop on blah, blah, blah at H. Lorenzo and spend blah, 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 blah. And I remember thinking like, oh dear God, this is it. And I said, yes. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? And I remember saying, well, you get to go away to really nice rehabs while I take care of the kids and I make sure that no one finds out where you are 
So this is what I did. And how much are your rehabs? Because they're more than what I spent, which is true. Because he used to go like really like fancy, fancy rehab. Then they would call me to come in for like family weekend, you know, and you go in and fucking walk around and you see like they're on fucking vacation while I'm like back at home, like kids, people calling like, where is he? I'm like, oh, he's on set, but I can't locate him. You know, just the fixer. So that's how I would manipulate him. And we were in a vicious cycle. He would go and relapse and then I would fix it or, or, you know, take care of everything. And then I would go and basically I would relapse with shopping. Wow. Yeah, it was beautiful. That Yes, it was lovely. Sounds lovely. But let's go to the part where you hit your bottom and it yeah. had to stop. So yeah, the, the credit cards were maxed. My credit cards were maxed and the revolving credit men <laughs> were, were gone because now after I put down, you know, the alcohol and I wasn't, I wasn't drinking at home. Like the kids never saw me like drunk. I like, I would not drink at home. I would drink out in beautiful, expensive restaurants or at, you know, in my many liaisons, you know, penthouses in Beverly Hills and on Sunset Boulevard. So it was very fancy. Um, and so when, when I stopped drinking, yeah. Like who wants to date the girl that's getting sober? <laughs> it's like, so the men ran out, the money ran out and it was, it was me. It was really hard. It was really, really, really hard. Not so much the alcohol part, thankfully, like that obsession, like that lifted very quickly for me. The part that was really hard is like the mess that I had made um, around the finances. Right. And two of my children were in private schools. And so it was really hard for me. And thankfully, thank God, um, I was able to still provide for their private schools. Um, I went to live. I live. I went to live with my aunt. I went to live with my aunt so that I could start basically from the bottom, as we talk about. Yeah. So that um, 2006. That's when I got sober. 2007, I went into a program, a 12-step recovery program called Debtors Anonymous. And that program helped me to heal my relationship to money. And in that, um, during that healing process, I started to see my part and how I used men and how basically I bartered my soul. Yeah. And and it was all, it all was rooted in shame because I had shame as a little girl on what was happening. Keep it a secret to get that candy or to get that. Yeah, mm -hmm. sneaky, sneaky. Well, that's how my, my um, healing around the shopping, the addiction, no longer was I able to use credit cards and cutting those credit cards up. And that was very painful. Did you Very feel painful. the withdrawal when you were cutting it? Like, did you feel that like uncomfortable that people talk about where you're like, well, truth be told, if I still had some money left in those credit cards, <laughs> maybe I would have felt more of that, but I had maxed them all out and I was like behind. So that part wasn't the hard part for me. 
the challenging part was to not have um, men to use any longer. Right. Like that was a hard, that was really difficult for me is to not, um, it was suggested to me for me not to date until I was a couple of years sober um, because of all the trauma around the sex, sexual abuse. I had a lot of trauma. So they're like, it's probably best that you don't date. And so I didn't date. And I committed myself to the healing process and being a, a mom that's self-supporting through her. Oh, that was that was a kicker. When I got sober, there's this one like tradition. It's like, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, says who? And I, and I asked my sponsor, like, what's that all about? She's like, well, that's a seventh tradition. And I was like, what, what is self, like literally it was like the peanuts teacher going, mwah, 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 like support yourself. Like you're self-supporting through our own contributions. Like that was a hard part for me is becoming self-supporting through my own contribution, not borrowing money from my family, not borrowing money in quotes, borrowing money. Like I had no interest and no integrity to pay anyone back. So this, this borrowing that I did from credit cards and from men, I remember one guy did tell me like when I gave him his amends, he's like, what about the $800 that I lent you? Like, is that part of your amends? And I was like, oh no, that's not part of my amends. But if <laughs> I forgot about that, but if you feel that that's something that would um, be, you know, something that you feel that that would actually be the amends, I'm more than happy to set up a payment plan with you. And I set up a payment plan. And you paid him back? I did. Good. That's great. I I did because in order for me to heal, that was such a big, big part of my healing. Mm -hmm. And I felt that every month, I don't remember the amount, but back then I was broke. So who knows if it was like 15, 20, 25. I couldn't tell you the amount, but it wasn't like $100 a month. I could guarantee you that. But every time, and back then I was writing a check, you know, it was um, 2006. I wasn't doing like the automate, you know, there wasn't Venmo, there wasn't PayPal. Yes. Like you either went to the ATM or you paid them with the check, right? And so um, I remember every month writing that check. And I've often said like every time I used to write a check to repay, whether it was a credit card or a man, because I, I did a, lo- a couple of those financial limits um, or a family member, every time I would send out that money, that repayment, I felt like something lifted. Oh, yeah. It's the best like feeling. Lighter it's like, and lighter yeah. and lighter. So it was like I healed one check at a time, like I healed one payment at a time. So it was so awesome for me when I finally made all those repayments. Mm. And then as a result of me being willing to have integrity with men and not using them any longer, um, I got hired. It was such a God shot. Um, And I got hired at this company and I started earning more than I ever thought I would earn in my life. Oh, um, without that. a college degree, people without a college degree don't get 
these kind of positions. And that ex-husband, he was uh, one of the people in my nine step, as we call it in recovery, that we go back and we make direct amends. And when I sat across from him in our living room, in our, you know, my old house, he still lives there, which I was very resentful about, by the way. Um, <laughs> not, not, not when I went to give him the amends, but the fact that he wasn't like, you and the children stay in the house. <laughs> I was so upset, but he had bought that house. Like I had nothing to do with when he bought that house, but I felt, how dare he kick, kick me in the me out. <laughs> so yeah, when I sat across from him and I gave him the amends, um, that was a big part of the amends is for me just for how reckless I was with the money. And when you look at that recklessness and look back, I always like to look at the seven deadly sins. Which one of these connect and why? We got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. I would say for me, it was gluttony, lust, and pride. It was that cocktail. Yeah. The pride part was that I could not support. I couldn't provide my for myself and my kids, you know, so let me date somebody with money so that I could at least look, you know, this ego. ego, Yeah. It was very ego driven. And then obviously the gluttony, because it was never enough girl, like my closet, like I still have some clothes from back then. And I just like, gosh, I remember how high I used to be when I used to go on those shopping sprees like high, like I don't, I like, I literally don't remember being in the store and then coming home and having all these bags Yeah, and hiding it. And then opening them and you're like, it's like something new. You have no idea. No. Like, oh, I bought this. Like <laughs> I would have to like cut the tags and everything and throw away like the bags and the boxes before I would get home. I would go out with the kids. One time, um, gap, kids in the Sherman Oaks mall. It was called the Sherman Oaks mall back then, but now it's Westfield. And my daughter actually reminded me one day, she's like, mommy, do you remember when we were in Gap and the employees wanted to go home and they closed the doors and you were still like shopping for us? She's like, I remember that mommy. Wow. And, and yeah, cause I was so entitled, like we're not done shop. You know, it was like craziness. And that's how much I used to shop for my kids. It was like, the, like, like, it was just like this thing. Yeah. I was, I felt like so much shame about myself. So let me like buy all this stuff for the kids. Let me buy all this stuff for the kids. So I feel worthy, you know, like of being their mom. Cause I had so much, so many secrets and so much shame, you know, that, throwing money at it and, and, and having them dress like to the T my kids were dressed. People would always compliment my kids, how I used to dress. And it was like an accomplishment for you. Oh, when I used to go out, like the narcissism, like was out of control. Like my kids were like these Ralph Lauren kids (laughs) for the 4th of July. Like I would dress them in these little Ralph Lauren outfits. (laughs) Like it was horrible. It's horrible. And then behind closed doors, I was miserable and cheating and he was cheating. And, you know, it was just like, oh, it was disgusting. So my last question for you, because you've already told me how you have moved forward. If you could help anybody that's in the same situation, what would you tell them? Or your younger self, too. Oh, my younger self. Oh, I talked to her a lot. I would, I, the first thing I would say is like, girl, like you have no idea how powerful you are. 
you have no idea how much you have to offer that you never have to barter your body, your time, your anything so that someone else could sponsor, mm-hmm. you know, you. And, and just really like I have, I, I often have these conversations, you know, I love journaling and like, I often say like, there's going to be one day that you're going to, hmm, sorry. Okay. I remember I always had this, you know, fantasy as I tell you, like pretty woman, right? I had this fantasy that I was going to get engaged and I was going to be whisked away to Paris and um, stay in this nice hotel and getting, you know, just everything that you could imagine, right? Around, around Paris and, and, and romance. And um, a couple of years ago in 2017, I took myself on, I whisked myself away to Paris and I stayed at a beautiful hotel overlooking the city, took myself to the most beautiful restaurants, had the most amazing time. And I remember bawling my eyes out, sitting in one of these cafes um, while I was writing. And I, and I did, I wrote a letter to my younger self, like the fact that I could go to bed at night in my room and not feel like I had to have sex with someone you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't there on his time. I didn't have to do the things that he wanted to do. That all this was like me treating myself. It was mind blowing. And I did write a dear younger self. One day you will bring yourself to Paris and have the most amazing vacation. And you'll never, ever have to give anyone anything Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and being so honest and open. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Until next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.